Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the pre-show. There's a man that lived next door. This is one of those creepier songs from the Mezzanine album. But it's me, it's Frank, it's the man next door. Wherever you're watching, I'm the man next door. No, I'm the man in the room. I've gotten inside the house, creepy enough. <laughs> or your car, or your big rig, or wherever the hell you are listening to this show, I'm glad that we're hanging out together. And you know, this is going to be the final week, uh, the final day of the week. Tomorrow I have an off day, and so we won't be together again until Monday, July 3rd. Then we'll take another little breather with July 4th. We'll be right back July 5th. And even though next week is going to be a little, I don't know, I wouldn't call it pockmarked, because July 4th is a great day, and I really enjoy I really enjoy the festivities, and I enjoy the, uh, the company and, um, and the mindset and all that good stuff. But we're going to have some great things to talk about next week. We have good uh, guests coming into the studio. But tonight, we have another great guest, someone I have not spoken to before, someone who's got a lot of skin in the game, has been broadcasting, has been a radio man since the 1970s. And he has he's the, now the, the longtime weeknight host of Coast to Coast AM. George Norrie's on with us tonight. And I got to, I get some... I have some ideas of what I want to ask him. Recent disclosures, not just even about the media and and UFOs and stuff like that, but even RFK um, and um, and disclosures about assassinations and all that other stuff. And then there's also there's also a lot I'd love to talk to him about with just the future of radio, not only retrospective or introspective stuff, but it should be a a, a fun time. Hopefully it's illuminating and, I don't know, sit back, relax, and enjoy because there's going to be plenty of time afterwards for reaction and calls and just random stuff. And then we have ourselves a badass and then we go uh, we go away for the extended weekend. Doesn't mean we'll be out of touch. I'm sure I'll pop in for one thing or another. But, um, but I'm looking forward to tonight. It's 6.56 p.m. on the East Coast. And I hope that um, I hope that you're getting ready for some relaxation. Thank you to my sponsor, Blue Monster Prep. Get over there and just take take note of the things that you may need, from the food to the water to the tinfoil blankets, the solar blankets. In fact, I, I heard that if you if you buy enough solar blankets, you can create a a, a moon module. You can actually go to the moon. You can create solar sails. The sails, you just, all you got to do is find a way to get up there. And then the solar winds will take you and, and your Blue Monster Prep bl- a blanket all the way to the moon. Just hold your breath. Hold your breath. You'll get there eventually. But please, over the course of this weekend, do me a favor. Not only consider becoming a sponsor of this show at any level, because no matter what level you get in on as a, uh, as a monthly sponsor, you have universal perks that extend all the way to special programming, like book club and all of that, which I know you guys should really get in on that, that August one. You will not regret it. August book club is going to be great. I want it to be the most well-attended one since, um, since Windswept House. And we did very well with Brave New World as well. But um, 
But yeah, aside from uh, considering being a monthly sponsor, please go to the affiliates page on quitefrankly.tv and take a look at all of our wonderful friends there because there's great stuff, great American con- uh, companies and, and products and services, and there you have it. All right, so that's all I have as far as announcements go. Pretty sure I do. Okay, now into the grab bag. How about a little bit of grab bag? How about a little bag grabbing right now? The first one up that I want to warm up with you is um, is from Human Events. I believe that this is Jack Posobiec's site. The headline... Greta Thunberg meets Zelensky in Ukraine to discuss ecological fallout from the ongoing war. This they're sending in the B team now, folks. They're sending in the B team. Uh, this time last year, Sean Penn was going over there giving away some of his Oscars to this guy, and now they send in uh, this salty plank of wood with lifeless hair. She has lifeless hair. And the Freddy Krueger, no, not the Freddy Krueger. He has the, the the stripes. It's just red plaid. I don't know. That's like a zombie shirt. Anyway, um, sh- thankfully, she's out there to, to to assess the ecological fallout from the war. I'm sure they had a very, a very uh, promising discussion. They got a lot done. Can you imagine? I mean, he, he's a joke. But can you imagine being sat down in front of this girl? And what? It's just you you shake hands, you say a couple of generic things because the cameras are rolling, and then you give her a a tour of the compound, and then she goes home. Are are they actually really working something out? Are they game planning something? Does she have any knowledge that could be applicable in a situation that Ukraine faces? Oh, my gosh. So... That must be the worst thing about the job for Zelensky, is having to entertain this this nonsense and take it seriously. Climate activist and former high school dropout <laughs> Greta Thunberg met with Ukrainian President Zelensky in Ukraine, where the two discussed the formation of an ecology group. Zelensky said that this is a very important signal of supporting Ukraine. It's really important. We need your professional help. He told Greta. He told her we need your professional help. He told Greta and the rest of those who assembled. The Swiss activists joined the other European figures in the meeting who are forming a working group to address ecological damage from the Russian invasion and subsequent war in Ukraine. Ukraine has been at war with Russia since February 2022 when Russia invaded its neighbor. Shortly thereafter, the U.S. began pouring money and weapons into the country in an attempt to help them win the war. The war is still ongoing, and it's not going well. So we'll see what she what she comes up with. What she comes up with. That'll be really good to see what the solution is going to be. All right, here's uh, some really great news. Last night we had a little bit of a... Uh, as lightning fast of a round as we could with Chris Ann Hall and talking about SCOTUS and what was going on, what was on the docket before they go on their 4th of July break. And here's one for the W column. Supreme Court rejects affirmative action at colleges as unconstitutional. 
The Supreme Court ruled that the affirmative action admission policies of Harvard and the University of North Carolina, which gave weight to a would-be student's race, are unconstitutional. The ruling is a massive blow to decades-old efforts to boost enrollment of racial minorities at American universities, which is it is the worst idea in how you do that. That is not, it's not about enrollment. It's about stimulating ambition. It's about formulating a way to make sure that, that families stay together, that there is, that, that there's so much more at the root of this issue than just forcing children into schools, just forcing children into schools and filling arbitrary quotas. But they don't care about actual solutions. They don't care about actual, actually repairing damage to so-called communities, to families. They don't care about that. They care about acquiring money, directing money, being the only ones who are able to direct it, to be able to attack those who want to siphon off any of that money into a more uh, I don't, reasonable direction. It's just all about creating political cudgels and uh and human life be damned just like everything else with them the ruling is a massive blow the court's majority opinion said that the school's affirmative action programs quote unavoidably employ race in a negative manner involve racial stereotyping and lack meaningful endpoints you're right meaningful endpoints as far as is there ever going to be a sunset to this it's one thing to say that coming out of the 1960s, if you want, if you say we're coming out of a dark age here and we're, we're going to try to transition into a new phase of our society and the way that government and society, I mean, it's all, it, it, please, it's all nonsense. But it's one thing to say that we're coming out of a dark age and we're going to put on some training wheels to get the, uh, to, to, to get the wheels, the gears in motion. Obviously not what this is all about. Justice Sonia Sotomayor, who is arguably one of the more unintelligent people on the on the bench there, says today this court stands in the way and rolls back decades of precedent and momentous progress. No. Precedent, yes. Precedent, but precedent is not law. It's certainly not constitutional law. Precedent does not amend the Constitution. So uh, it, it's, uh, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad. It's a good thing. No doubt about it, it's a good thing. So, as we all know, this is going to be challenged. There will be a, there'll definitely be secret language that is adopted by colleges who want to maintain this destructive heading because it's not going, it's not something that is going to be, uh, they're not going to disengage. This is something that has been now hardwired into the culture, especially uh, in academic circles. No way. I mean, this is this is activist training grounds. That's is what this is all about. This is about political activism. It's about making political activism personal for people. Okay, especially if you if you have your education, if you believe that your education, your employment is only because somebody out there wrote a law and you would have never been able to achieve what you did in life without their help because. Being born the way you were, one skin color, one ethnic background or another, puts you at a disadvantage you could never overcome without a progressive by your side. It's it, you see where this is. So there, this has been hardwired in for decades. 
So I, I don't know what secret language is going to be adopted by colleges. Um, they'll find other ways to ascertain a person's race and then put them on those same types of fast tracks that completely negate someone else's better work instead of just thinking about how to make everything more competitive. Now, I would love to know how, much, how possible it is going to be or impossible a task, perhaps, to prove that you have been overlooked, you have been rejected for someone else just based on superficial and, frankly, racist reasons. So I, I don't know if this forces the bad behavior just into a little bit more um, easily un or, or more undetectable behaviors. We're just going to have to see. But for the day, this is a good thing. No doubt about it. Objectively good. Now listen to this. This is from the dailyskeptic.org by Robert Kogan. This is going to shock nobody. Headline, Pfizer vaccine batches in the EU were placebos, say scientists. Scientists have uncovered startling evidence that a substantial portion of the batches of Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine deployed in the European Union may have actually, in fact, consisted of placebos and that the German regular, regulator knew this and did not subject them to quality control testing. Yeah, because he was saving people's lives. The scientist, Dr. Gerald Diker, professor of organic chemistry at the Ruhr University in Bochum, uh, and Dr. Jörg Matzik, Matzik, professor of analytical chemistry at the University of Leipzig, are part of a group of five German-speaking scientists who have been publicly raising questions about the quality and safety of the BioNTech vaccine, uh, as it is known in Germany, for the last year and a half. They recently appeared on the Punkt Perodovic online program of the German journalist Milena Perodovic I'm sorry about that to discuss batch uh, variability their starting point was the recent Danish study showing enormous variation in the adverse events associated with different batches of the Pfizer vaccine so they were starting to see here it shows that batches used in Denmark which are represented by the points on the graph essentially break down into three groups the green batches clustered around the green line have a moderate or moderately high level of adverse events associated with them in the discussion with the Perodovic Daryl Diker takes the example of the green point further to the right as he explains it represents the batch that was used the most in Denmark with somewhat over 800,000 doses have being administered. These 800,000 doses are associated with around 2,000 suspected adverse events, which gives a reporting rate of one suspected adverse event per approximately 400 doses. He says that's not a small amount if we compare that to what we know otherwise from influenza vaccines. Now, they're starting to really zero in on this. But this is something that within that first year in 2021, we were, I don't have the collection anymore, but uh, maybe if I go into the, all of my formats, because I've been keeping them the last couple of years, we can dig them up. But uh, throughout that year, the headlines, there was no end to the headlines of pharmacies, of people all over this country and in other countries saying, oh, this, this batch of vaccines that we got is just saline there's nothing in these and 
so it, it started becoming a little bit obvious here what's going on. They built the control groups in. No doubt about it. And of course, with every last one of those articles, they say, oh, don't worry. Don't worry, everybody. They say it's it's totally safe. Everything is okay. We will get in the real stuff so that we can get everybody vaccinated. Which, of course, is ironic because the safest thing you could probably put in your body compared to the other one is the saline. And, um, and it, it just... Come on now. It's got to be... Now, how these batches went out, how they were planned or how they were just mixed in by who do they have tracking elements to them i don't know but it is way too well documented the pattern is way too well established and seeing this pop up again uh two years later to see that it's still happening or it's still being studied in very significant ways in different parts of the world it's just something to consider and something to ask how did that play a factor and what how was it used in what way to create what kind of a control to only target certain groups, certain states, certain communities more than others. Your guess is as good as mine, but the pieces are there to be wiggled into place. So go ahead and do some wiggling. All right, here's another headline that is just incredible. And I don't even know how this is possible. This is from Daily Mail. Woman loses her leg after getting caught in an airport travelator. So I guess a, you know, one of those, not necessarily an elevator, not an escalator, the ones that are just, you know, the, uh, the conveyor belt that you walk on. Passengers horror. As moving walkway in Bangkok airport mangles a victim's limb, forcing medics to amputate it in order to free her. This makes no sense to me. Watch this. A female tourist has had her leg amputated there in the airport. That's what they're saying. After getting it caught in a moving walkway at Bangkok airport, the 57-year-old Thai passenger was due to board a flight from Bangkok's Don Wong airport in the southern Nekong Sea Thamarat province this morning in airports terminal 2 but in a freak accident she tripped over her pink suitcase before her left leg was dragged into the mechanism at the end of the travelator horrified passers-by fumbled to turn off the emergency switch at the machine as the machine continued tearing through the limbs, muscle, tendon, and bone. Medical team were eventually, they had to cut her leg off from above the knee. According to the airport's officials, uh, she was taken to a hospital in the area, in the capital, for an emergency treatment. Now there she is, and there's her leg that is caught under the top. How does this happen? Now, she looks more annoyed. I know it's a still frame. She might be in the worst pain of her life. And if this is all true, then definitely. But how does it happen? The medical team at the hospital said she was initially sent to Karun, where she was told that they they could not reattach her leg, but the woman requested being transferred to another hospital to assess the possibility. Airport authorities have ordered a probe to determine the cause of the accident. The suitcase lying near her was missing two wheels, and the yellow comb-like plates were, were broken off from where they're typically over the here. Look, you'll see. Where is it? There. That, that thing was broke. You've seen those things before. I, but how? How do you get a human leg into there? 
How do you get a human leg in there? I don't know. Now, until somebody, it, it just looks awful fake because I physic I can't see the physics behind it. That's just what it is. Then again, what would faking something like this really serve? I, I don't know. But they have to take her leg off from the knee. Now, what about the femoral artery? Uh, obviously, they have to they have put a uh, tourniquet on there to do something like that, but they have to cut her leg off. Would they have to put her out there? They have to, uh, th that's just, there's just so many questions. And there's not enough answers in this article. Just not enough. The walkway was manufactured by Japanese company Hitachi and was installed in 1996. Okay, well, it's old. The airport director said, adding that there is a plan to request for a budget to change to the newer model in 2025. In 2019, a passenger's, passenger's shoe was damaged after it was caught in the airport's moving walkway in Terminal 1. The airport released a statement afterwards saying the faulty walkway was repaired and reopened in about an hour. It's one thing to stub your toe and get the front of your shoe caught into one of these things. It's another thing to have an entire, the biggest limb on the body slip under that little flap. How, but hey, maybe there will be an update to all of this. And then the rest of the article is just showing videos of other people of all ages getting their faces and their arms caught in escalators and you name it you name it all right well anyhow let's get this show under underway and um yeah we're gonna have a fun time tonight i have tweeted out all the live links across the quite frankly socials and i hope that you will be a darling and sponsor the show in a social media sense tonight. Be my syndicators. Because we're all out here alone. And it takes teamwork to get the job done. Alright, all the best to you. I'll see you on the other side of the intro. and stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! everybody 7 17 p.m. in my eyes, in 7 17 in and it's the East Coast and it's a beautiful night it was a beautiful day it has been a, a hard week of work but a gratifying one gratifying week 
And I'm glad that you guys have been with me the whole way. You know, there is some fun stuff going on in the skies above New York. And whenever people uh, think to look up, I know that some people have actually taken the the taken the suggestion from our very courageous governor over here to put the masks back on because apparently we're getting another round of smoke. I haven't seen it, but some people are really adamant. They they loved it. They have missed the masks. So uh, the last thing that they're going to be doing is stargazing and really enjoying the little things because they're so scared out of their minds from everything else. But there's been strange mystery objects floating over Long Island, which is no stranger to, to friends of this show. You remember when uh, uh, next time Rob is on, he's got to talk about the the uh, the energy globules that he saw over Long Island with Murr that time. And this is what I started thinking about. I saw, uh, and I, I'm, I'm glad that this made headlines about a day or two ago because now we get to open up the lines with George Norrie for a couple of, couple of minutes and have some fun with it. Very strange mystery objects floats over Long Island. A Long Island man captured video of a mysterious object gliding in the sky over Suffolk County this week, setting off speculation. Speculation about what the phenomenon could be. What could it be? The cameraman who wanted to be referred to only as JB captured the object on his phone around 5 p.m. Sunday as he and his adult son were driving the South Service Road of Sunrise Highway in the Islip area. There wasn't a cloud in the sky, but the white object shimmied past JB and his son got out of the car and they started filming it, as did other drivers. It was something that was so unusual that you had to stop and look. And it doesn't look like a blimp. Doesn't look like the blimp. I actually, I haven't seen a, a blimp in the, in the sky for a long time. Every once in a while when the PGA Tour would come through the Westchester golf course over here, um, there, would be, there would be the Goodyear blimp that would show up, and I think that's the only time, but not now. My first reaction was a spy balloon because it looked like a sophisticated thing, he said. It probably it wasn't somebody's drone. That's just somebody made there in their backyard. This thing had, like, transparency to it, some kind of a vapor around it that fell off, like a little piece of it just floating. Suffolk County Police Department said it didn't receive any calls about the object. Oh, very nice. Nice, nice, nice. Well, you know, as I said before, we are going to have an opportunity to talk with somebody who is, uh, you know, a, a prime pick for this kind of a subject is Mr. George Norrie. He has been a radio man, as I said, since the 1970s as a producer and a host, author, public speaker, and full-time weekday host of Coast to Coast AM since 2003. And um, as you all know, Coast to Coast is syndicated to hundreds of radio shows, uh, radio stations around the U.S. and Canada. Uh, Mr. Nori has also appeared on the History Channel series Ancient Aliens and Beyond Belief. Mr. Nori, are you there? Hello there, Frank. Oh, it's great to have you on. How's everything going on your end? Everything's great. Now, where are you? Do you see me right here? I do see you. I oh. see you. So th actually, if you if you don't mind, what I'll do is I'll give you a little bit of a uh, a tour of the the studio here. All right, you're in New York. Right? Oh, I'm in New York, and this is my uh, my little my little fortress over here that I built, my fortress of solitude. Got to do a little bit of uh, broadcast improvising over here. It's very hard to break into the game these days, but here we here we are. It's it's such an honor to have you on with us. 
That's great. I'm in Los Angeles in my office. The studio is down the hall a little bit. And I'm just up here on a high-rise fifth floor, just taking it easy, ready to go on the air in uh, five and a half hours. Well, let me ask you about that. Uh, I always wonder how you veterans produce your nightly shows, especially since you do the overnight. Um, do you already have everything that you need for t this evening's broadcast set up? As Do you, do you uh, write in batches for multiple shows at a time? How do you do that? I just finished my new segment for the show tonight which is about five minutes long with a couple small guests. And then I've got information on my two major guests that come in from my executive producers. So it's pretty intense, Frank. I mean, we're doing work all day long, different things. Uh, the lifestyle is different between St. Louis and LA. St. Louis is home. I get to see my family and kids. LA's all business, and so I'm here until August. Well, I I I, I love the determination, and you just uh, you just recently re-upped your contract too, right? So you're you're gonna be you're gonna be doing this for still a little while. Five more years, I'll be about 110 when it's all over. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> let me ask you about that because let's say let's say in 30 years from now, you say, okay, you know what? I think that the beach is calling calling for me i want a little bit more relaxation i want to retire to a beach and 30 years from now you say that what is the vision for the future of coast to coast the dynasty are you the one who gets to pick the successor is there a tribunal of alien grays what is it i'm going to keep working frank until i die okay. i've already told my producer that if i die on the air and i have died on the air a couple times by the way but if I die on the air, he's going to go on and say, I'm sorry, George has left us. And they pick up from there. We've got some weekend hosts that are pretty capable, but I'm going to just keep going until the good Lord says, you're done. Either that or, or a pizza roll takes you out, right? That's the now, That happened once. The famous story about the pizza roll. I remember that. Called in sick one day in 20 years, and it was that dang pizza roll that got me. You know, it, between pizza rolls and Hot Pockets, people have a lot of the similar uh, similar stories about that. They think it's safe to bite in there, and then all of, all of a sudden, hot lava has just been spewed down your throat. Absolutely. Oh, it's, it says on the package, cool to touch. Well, I touched it. It was cool. What they don't tell you is inside it is hot lava. And I thank God I didn't swallow all of it. I spit it out. The doctor told me the next day, in the emergency room i went that night but the next day he said had you swallowed it your vocal cords could have been shot that's scary oh yeah especially when you're in the business that you the vocal cords are everything that's your instrument right there Absolutely. but but that's that's uh that's over 10 years in the past now and you've survived and everybody's very grateful um I, you know, right before I brought you on, I was doing an article, reading an article about a UFO sighting over Long Island. So I'd like to ask you a UFO question first. Now, sure. for, for generations, people sought out shows like yours because you entertained paranormal and parapolitical subjects with a warm curiosity instead of ridicule. But how do you feel over the last couple of years, this 180 degree flip in serious mainstream coverage of things like UFOs, does it make you? Does it, is it a bad smell? Do you do, do you welcome it? Do you think it's suspicious? What do you think? It vindicates what we've been doing on this program for so many years. The fact that the mainstream media is beginning to wake up and decide, you know, there's something to it. But it's not just them. 
Frank, you know, government's doing it. Look what NASA's doing it. They're going to work on a full report by July on just what these things are. Senator Mark Rubio, he thinks something's going on. You know, we've been reporting this for years, long before even I came into Coast to Coast when Art Bell was doing this. But uh, something's happening. We're being visited. We have been visited. We may have been seated, as some theories have said. It's exciting times. Well, you, you say wake up there, and I think that's a, something that everybody usually, we all are screaming these days. We feel like there's just something brewing, and we need to wake up to a greater reality one way or another. And I think one of the more notable things about this last couple of years of so-called, whether you want to go confirmation or disclosure, is that there is a really inert kind of reception from the public. Uh, you've been doing this for a long time. Please I answer this question for me. If we were in the summer of 1999 right now, how would we have reacted as a public to first the military admitting that unidentified craft are swarming our warships and they don't know what they are, and then to have whistleblowers testify about craft not being human in origin? How, how would that have played to the public in 1999? Because I, I feel like it wouldn't be as sleepy a reaction as we're getting now. There was a report years ago that said, we can't handle the truth. That's a line from a Jack Nicholson movie as well, Few Good Men. I think we can handle the, few, the, the truth. But if this happened in 1999, I think people would be reacting, the average person, the same way they're reacting now. And that is, I believed it. I believed it then, I believe it now. We're being visited by ETs. The big story these days, Frank, is what government is starting to do. What is government starting to do in terms of investigating, probing, and trying to do that? And the big question is, why are they doing it now? Nobody knows, but it's fascinating, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating, but I think it's a lot more suspicious uh, for, for people like me. I'm not, I'm not as hopeful about this, um, this recent turn of events as as uh, other people are, I think that there is a, a lot of deception behind it, though my curiosity in the subject has, has never wavered. I just don't know, I just don't know what I can, I can take from the source anymore. And, uh, and I, I, me, my personal, I know it's just anecdotal, but I just feel like people are uh, maybe so, I, I, I perceive a general fatigue with a lot of the public. I, I mean, I'm old enough to remember when the news cycle was 48 hours long. Uh, now if you take a nap, the world seems to leave you behind. So maybe it's just people are in a, a, a whirlwind of, of overstimulation. I just don't, I don't know which side is up sometimes. And, and there's a lot of skepticism and a lot of sleepiness that I see. But it, it's interesting to see the, the hope that a lot of other people connect with. Don't you think people will say though, if disclosure comes out, I told you so, I knew it, and now you know it and you're admitting it. I don't think people will be as shocked as some people think they will be. I knew Apollo 14 astronaut Edgar Mitchell. He's not with us anymore. He walked on the moon. And he would tell me privately, George, we're being visited by ETs. I know it from people within government. It's obvious. Now, the big question is, is there something else going on that's nefarious? Is there an agenda by these extraterrestrials and they're trying to figure out what's going on? That's anybody's guess. There are some people in the field of ufology, Frank, that think that these visitations are dangerous, 
are bad. And that's a kind of a scary thought. The, the you say something there about whether uh, whether or not we are being visited and asking the question if it's nefarious. I mean, my 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 thoughts drift toward whether or not if there's consensus, then is there any good guys and bad guys? If there, for example, I never understood how disclosure could be something that an earthly government would have the power to bestow upon a people, especially if they are the only thing that stands in between us and the presence of a vastly superior uh, civilization that is visiting us from the other side of the galaxy or another dimension or anything like that. I, I often bring that up on this show. I, I don't understand how an earthly government, which would be uh, primitive compared to other life in the in the solar system, would be uh, would be able to actually stonewall us from that, unless the non-human intelligences don't want to be known about and there's at least consensus among them in that respect whether they have benevolent or malevolent intention for us so that's that, that's the thing i always try to wrap my head around why why are we being firewalled by mere humans you might be a little too young but you remember the twilight zone series oh yes right okay there's one episode called to serve man and it was an episode where ETs came down to planet Earth with a book, and they gave it to mankind. This book, everybody thought, before they deciphered it, was a book about life, was a book about the future, was a book about how to exist in the universe. And it was an amazing story. Right at the end, they started taking humans in this huge UFO back to their planet. People were lining up, coming in, just like a movie theater, just by the hundreds. And the person they gave the book to comes running up to the end, running up to all these people going, don't go, don't go, come back. To Serve Man, which was the title of the book, To Serve Man, it's a cookbook. <laughs> Who knows, are they eating us? It's anybody's guess. It, it really could be. It is anybody's guess. Um, you know, but speaking of disclosures, there's something else I, to just to veer away from the UFOs here, too. I'm sure we'll probably come on back. But you've, over the years, you've done a great deal of great work with uh, the assassinations of Jack and Bobby Kennedy, just digging into those big, high-profile assassinations, your conversations and work with Jim Mars and, and all, all of that. Do, do you th what do you think about now presidential candidate RFK Jr.'s willingness not only to expose the what he describes in very blatant terms state sanctioned murder of his family but to tie it in directly to how globalism really works now, I, I don't I don't see him having a real chance with his presidential campaign but the fact that he's using the campaign as a platform to talk about these very very big and consequential issues I, i'm I, i'm really curious to think what uh, to see what you think about that robert kennedy jr sent me a text a couple uh, weeks ago he's been on coast to coast before and we were talking a little bit about the campaign but i i agree with you he's got a tough road to hold to beat president biden for the democratic nomination unless the president decides at the last minute he's not going to run so who knows what's going to happen there but Strange things have happened in government. Uh, Sirhan Sirhan listens to coast to coast on a regular basis. He was the convicted assassin of Robert Kennedy. 
and there's some question over whether he is guilty or not. Robert Kennedy Jr., the son, doesn't think he is. But he was there, he had a gun in his hand, and he admitted that uh, he didn't know what was going on. Something's happening there. But as far as John F. Kennedy was concerned, it was a mob hit. They were trying to get rid of Bobby, and they thought the best way to do that was to get rid of John, and that's what they arranged. Lee Harvey Oswald was exactly what he said he was, a patsy in this whole thing. Mm. Uh, he, I, I saw this recent interview that RFK Jr. did with uh, Bill Maher, and it, it was it was stunning just how much detail he went into the play-by-play of his own father's assassination with Sirhan Sirhan, uh, especially getting into the his his inability to remember anything. And he's maintained that, and his lawyers have maintained that, uh, since right after the, the the shooting, which of course begs the question about whether or not Sirhan Sirhan was a uh, was an, an, a willing or unwilling agent of MK Ultra, and that's another thing that RFK has brought to the campaign trail. I mean, it's it's these are these are pretty sensitive subjects. These are things that would only be talked about on places like Coast to Coast for years, and 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 now here is a. I don't know. Uh, it, you you can call him a major. Is he a major candidate? He's definitely a serious candidate, and he has the the name brand behind him. But it's um, uh, really daring for him to be talking about it, don't you think? Uh, absolutely. He's got about twenty percent of the Democratic vote right now, but he's got a long way to go. But uh, you're right. Sirhan Sirhan may have been a Manchurian candidate. Was he hypnotized? I do believe there was more than one shooter there on the Bobby Kennedy assassination. There's just too many strange anomalies about bullets heard. You know, how many bullets did he have in his gun? How many bullets did people hear? Uh, where was he shot? He may have been shot from behind by somebody else. Lots of strange things there. Uh, as far as his his um, tying this into the state of the world and globalism, um, how how it's it's more than just trying to get subsidies for an NGO or to to feed the hungry or something like that, that there's a certain type of brutality and tyranny behind globalism um, that is is anti-democratic, illiberal. You you talk a lot about the dangers of globalism as well. Do you is this still something that that you see creeping and 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 growing more and more fierce? Oh, there's no question. And uh, we need as people to continue to be aware of how we are being used and manipulated and fight back as much as we can. Uh, I think in the long run, Frank, we're gonna win. I think in the long run, people will win out over those people who are trying to control everything on this planet. But it's gonna be tough. It's not gonna be, it's not gonna come easy by any means. But we need more people like you and what we do on Coast to Coast to keep people thinking so they don't stop. I, I agree. I agree. My, my issue again is um, where uh, where is people where are people's attention being invested and in how how conscious how consciousness either rises falls or becomes somewhat stagnant and, and inert because what's even more so worrisome to me and I want to get your opinion on this is the the quick how quick the evolution of the globalist sales pitch has been in recent years when the UN and the WEF was promoting like I said before the ending of world hunger or whatever there were still people that were very suspicious about 
ulterior motives that they have about eroding national sovereignty, economic sovereignty. But now the people who are at the the head of these the, the figureheads of these of these organizations, they speak proudly about being what they call masters of the world through emerging technologies that they sponsor. So if, if they succeed in their world vision, what do you think the world would actually look like? Well, it would probably look the same, except we'd all be like robots, <laughs> trapped. So the Twilight Zone. Sheep and cattle, you know, just marching down the road together. But that's not going to happen. In the, in the long run, you can't hold down all the people all the time. I mean, look what's happening in France right now with the tragic shooting of that young teenager by a police officer. They're rioting in the streets. They can't control it. You can't stop the people from doing what they do. They've got to do it on their own. It's true. It's true. And I I really appreciate the optimism, especially toward the end of the week, because uh, there's there's so many things to... (laughs) What's the B on the hat for, by the way? Oh, well, this is the Brooklyn Dodgers. It's an old, I, I've been wearing... Brooklyn. an old hat. That's oh, yeah. an oldie. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, you know, baseball used to be the... I mean, New York used to be the baseball capital of the world, and even though I'm a Yankee fan at heart, I, I there's something very cozy about the idea of these little tiny boroughs having their own professional teams, and it's just um, a little, I don't know, a little little piece of the past. I just like baseball in American history. I think it goes... Wasn't there a no-hitter just pitched? Yes, Domingo Herman of the Yankees pitched a, a perfect game last night in Oakland. And I missed the whole thing because I was actually preparing for this interview. I forgot that they were even playing because the the Pacific, to- uh, Pacific Coast game time. But uh, it was pretty impressive, though, um, you know. It's impressive. I mean, for a pitcher to do that, and he's got you got to have the backing of your teammates who would probably perform some great plays to keep that no-hitter going. Absolutely. No matter Actually, who. Actually, was, was it a no-hitter or a perfect game? It was a perfect game. It's only the, game. only the 24th time in baseball history it's happened. Now, he did it against he did it against the team that was 40 games under 500, and there was barely nobody in the crowd. Wow. But uh, but either way, they're professionals to, to, to keep. Still a great feat. Well, absolutely. Well, no doubt about it. Um, Where were you born, Frank? I'm, I'm born right here in, in uh, Westchester. And you still got smoke from the uh, Canadian fires out there? We had a week of it a couple of weeks ago, and then, now they're saying that there is a second sheet of it coming our way, but I haven't seen anything. Uh, my friends in, in the Midwest, they're, they're kind of coughing their way through the week, but not over here yet. Yeah, my kids tell me in St. Louis it's been smoky for a couple days. Oh, really? What they need is some heavy rain to blow that stuff out of the way. My God. I know. I know. I, I We had a really um, strategic bit of rain that came in right at the tail end of it, and it was crazy how it all just it dissipated, and we, we got blue skies pretty quick after that. But um, I, I just never – that's just something – you want to talk about anomalies in the air, anomalies in the sky. Never in my life. Never in my – and New York is mostly forest. I'm sure that there's forest fires that break out from time to time. I have never felt or experienced that kind of thing down here, and um, and and it was so severe. It just it was just very odd. Yeah, way too many, and they had hundreds of fires. Hundreds. It's to me, it sounds like arson, doesn't it? Well, that's the whole thing. They were 
they were saying that uh, there was uh, quite a few intense arson investigations going on at the time, but it didn't stop people from Justin Trudeau of turning it into a health crisis brought on by climate change. And um, so instead of the real, the more compelling story there about who could have caused this, um, we, we were getting into another political food fight, which always just stops all conversation right in its tracks. And then nobody cares anymore, which is, <laughs> I mean, you just copy and paste that into any situation now. Good point. How long have you been podcasting? Well, uh, I've been doing this since 2000. Oh, my, the shows I've been doing has been 2006. And um, so a th- long time. Good uh, for you. I started in college and then. You know, uh, you just you love something. You don't you don't stop. And it was the best thing. I, I, my dream was always, hey, how do we get this onto satellite radio? Because that's where we can talk about things and have a little bit less restrictions of what we do. And then, you know, over the time of waiting for I don't know to be discovered or something like that, there was the internet that really started coming into its own. And um, and I guess that's the, that's the biggest question outside of paranormal subject matter I have for you that is coast to coast has always adjusted with the times when it comes to technology Um, always using websites when they were coming out how to share media with people in the audience satellite syndication streaming now podcast yourself you guys have a really healthy um, uh, uh, appearance or presence on YouTube and elsewhere but the core of your operation has always been radio syndication. What do you think of the future of radio as a medium in the face of new media? Well, first of all, I'm glad there's new media because it gives everybody an additional platform to get great information, and that's important. But uh, we we podcast coast to coast now. Uh, we started also the Paranormal Podcast Network to create a different environment. Uh, a lot of younger people don't own radios. They listen on their phones. So we recognize that and we're going after that as you as you have. But I think radio is still strong. It's still going to be around. Some Ford Motor Company had said they're going to take AM radios out of their cars. They backed down and that's happening more and more. We're going to be in good shape. We're on 640 terrestrial radio stations. We're on XM satellite and we're podcasting. And I think by hitting all those different forms of media, you reach all the people that you can at all the time. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I, I don't. I never saw why it uh, all of the technologies had to be adversarial. Um, I thought that they can be very complementary. But to me, exactly. and, and, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, a little bit more of an emotional take on things. Radio as a technology it um it's just it, it's magical to me it, as it ever was still is and that's why i love doing what i'm doing pretending that i'm out on am fm because it, it provide i believe it provides a a basic necessity for for life on earth it for over vast distances you're delivering conversation storytelling music even drama back when we had radio dramas and all that stuff and i guess the other thing is there's no beating the convenience of streaming, that's for sure. But if the lights and the internet ever go out, advantage always goes to radio. So it's it, uh, stacked up against television. I know television makes way more money, but radio is miraculous and is always going to be relevant, if you ask me. It really is, and it's very personal. When I broadcast, Frank, I don't broadcast to the billions who listen to Coast to Coast. I broadcast to one person. 
me and that relationship. And it's worked for me for all these years. I've been in the business since I was 19 years old. It's been a long, long time. Yeah. Yeah, I know. A long, long time. And you still have at least 30 or 40 years to go. God willing. That's wood. <laughs> That's great. Well, you know, I, I have a uh, a few questions here that have actually been sourced from the audience that I I think are, are really interesting. So I'd love to throw sure. them your way. All right, uh, let's do it. Let's do it. Do you have a guest who, uh, in particular, who left a? If you were to think about all the wonderful people you have interviewed over the years, who's one that had left a really profound impact on you uh, over the years that you've been able to uh, to have on the show? There was a guy named Benjamin Krem who has passed on, who claimed he was a representative of the Maitreya, the Maitreya that a lot of people thought was the Antichrist. But while he was on the air with us, people were emailing us saying, I don't feel good. The more I listen to this guy, I'm getting nauseous, I'm getting sick. And I thought that was, geez, that's strange. Mm. All of a sudden, me, who never gets sick, I'm on the air interviewing this guy, and I'm feeling queasy, and I'm feeling weird. So I ended up cutting the interview a little sooner than I wanted to, but I got him off the air. All of a sudden, the people are sending me emails saying, God, thank God, I feel much better. And I started feeling better. This guy was weird. That will always be an interview I will never forget. Did you ever seek any explanation from him? They say, hey, you know, you, you brought... He laughed. He, he just laughed. That's it. That's it. It Was it a laugh that almost masked a knowing of, I know exactly what you're talking about, and that was all me? Does he? It was one of those ha-ha-ha laughs, like kind of demonic. Jeez. It was weird. It was, it was just something I'll never forget. Well, I haven't had anything like that happen to me yet, and I I prefer. But you don't want to. No, no. If I it's sometimes if I take my vitamins at the wrong time of day, I start getting queasy, and I hate it. I'm not bringing on somebody that does that to me just through his own his own chi. Then I got a call during uh, our open lines from a lady who said my husband's been abducted by aliens. I said, What do you mean? What happened? And she said, Well, he's never late for work. He's never late when he comes home. And he came home one night sweaty and nervous and shaking and told me that he was abducted by aliens and i said oh really she said yeah she said you know what else they did i said what they stole his wedding ring and i went oh the poor guy was probably having a little fling took his ring off forgot to put it back on <laughs> that's it a little switch an excuse i'm abducted by aliens i know i well let me ask you this are are you capable of being shocked still after all these years? Absolutely. Absolutely. I will do a couple things on the show, Frank. I will give people respect as long as they don't use profanity. We've got different FCC rules than they have on podcasts. But I still like to keep it clean. I'm old school when it comes to that. But uh, I'm still shocked by a lot of things that happen. It's just such a strange world, and I think that's why shows like yours, what Coast to Coast has been for a cult, uh, as a cultural, um, if you want to call it a, a cultural institution, it is at this point, has just been um, a little, just a, a little bit of a drawing back of the curtain to the possibility of what if.
because if we're just going to go by the nine to five routines and what is on the nightly news, it is a, a, an awfully boring and, and very predictable world out there. But there's got to be something more. And there has to be there's just so much that that defies scientific understanding, which is why I love when people say they they trust the science all the time. Well, I think trusting the process is the uh, is the better thing to be to do in here because there's no I think all the most important um, questions to be asked and answered you can't you don't need you can't have science behind it it's just so much more we have touched a nerve with this program and the fact that more and more people are joining the team what I love more than anything Frank is when a young kid calls me and says my dad turned me on to your show and so when he grows up and has a kid He'll do the same thing, and it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. <laughs> the, the, that's why I say again, the generational, the generational link, absolutely, is uh, is a wonderful thing. Um, are there any bucket list guests that you you have, guests that you still have not had on the show, but you just would would love to spend forty five minutes or a couple of segments with? Stephen King, the great writer. Oh, really. He's got such a great mind. He comes up with great stories and books that have been turned into movies. I'd love to get Stephen. We've tried getting him on. Just can't do it. And I would have loved to have had the old Frank Sinatra on. God rest his soul. He would have had a. He would have been a classic. I would. Uh, to, to if I were going to talk to anybody from that Rat Pack, that that iteration of it, definitely you have to take an opportunity with uh, Sinatra if you have the chance. But I think I would have uh, had a lot more fun with Dean Martin. And uh, th- that's just, I-, I think about it all the time. I think he's definitely my favorite in that, uh, in that group there. Sammy had the best voice, but Dean was the, the whole package, I believe. And it just seemed too loose. And I would, uh, I'd love that. Stephen King, my interest in him has kind of faltered the more political he's gotten but i used to just really i I used to consume every interview that he put out there because from a creative writing standpoint i really masterful there's nothing else to say you can't take that away from him but um politics ruins so much don't you don't you think i think so too but uh being out in los angeles here frank i've run into sylvester stallone paul anka the singer rod stewart the singer they're just all over the place. Keith Sutherland, and they're all nice people. They're all approachable, good people. Wayne Gretzky, I was with last week, the hockey player, mm-hmm. the superstar, and uh, they're just super people. It's it's fun. Do they notice you on the street? Like, if, if, do you get a lot? You notice a lot at, uh, in public? I do uh, at airports, especially or places I'm at. Uh, Beyond Belief and the History Channel's Ancient Aliens have done a lot of that. Uh, But the diehard listeners who know what I am and look like, they they'll notice me too. Uh, Kelsey Grammer spotted me at a restaurant and came up to me. He came up to me and said, "I love your show." Gave me his phone number and said, "Put me on one day." And I said, "You got a deal." But so that's happening. That's getting more and more prevalent. Well, you know, speaking of Kelsey Grammer, I've I've read a lot about him. He's a very interesting guy. But have you ever spoken to someone like Dan Aykroyd? Because he's incredible. Aykroyd loves the show, calls us. Yes, he's been on before. We know him. Uh, He's a giant. I love the guy. He's so wonderful to hear talk about this stuff because he's so well-read and great voice and just 
uh, streamline of information. Well, I, uh, 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 Mr. Nori, this has been wonderful to have you on. I have one last question for you, and okay. um, because I don't, I know that you have a lot of prep before you you go live tonight. But here it is. This is a, a very important one. I ask this of a lot of people. Um, if you, it's a desert island situation. You go to a desert island. You can only take with you one type of cheese. Which do you take with you to the desert island? Cheddar cheese. You talking about a nice sharp Vermont? Yes, you got it. White preferably, but the the orangey color one is good too. <laughs> That's fantastic. I think we're on the same page with page of that. I love a lot of different type of cheese, but I'm not going to talk about one that I have to eat for the rest of the life. For the rest of my life, cheddar just holds up longest. Um, I have one question for you. Okay. Why did you ask me that question? There's something. I, you know, I don't know. It's. Uh, I think it's it's very it's very telling about a person, especially if they go to something like Munster cheese or a Gouda. I, I, a brie. I, a brie. You don't want to take a soft cheese to a desert island. There's just something about it. Um, but it, there's there's a, there's there's something that could be gained from <laughs> be gained for that personality. But I uh, I really appreciate. They're coming to take you to a home tomorrow, Frank. Yeah. They'll be visiting you so. I'm really happy that you spent some time with me tonight, and I hope that you can you can come on again uh, in the future. Yeah, now that I know how technology works, it'll be great. It's easy. So how do people watch? Uh, obviously, they have to. There's 640 stations out there. Uh, they have to just go check out their listings there. But can they listen online? And, and what would you like to plug? We've got a couple of things I'll mention. Coast Insider memberships, which you can sign up for at coasttocoastam.com. That allows you to listen anytime you want. You don't miss anything, and that's 15 cents a day, so that's a great little deal. Paranormaldate.com, if you're looking to meet people who understand you and get things, go to that, paranormaldate.com. And also, if you just want to listen on the radio, go to our website, coast2coastam.com, and click Stations at the top. And there it is. It's a real honor, uh, uh, Mr. Nori, to have the to have the voice talk back to you is really kind of surreal sometimes. You you hear it you hear it so much over the years, but um, it was great to have this conversation, and I hope that we can have you back. Great that you're east of the Rockies. Right? <laughs> have a great night, Mr. Nori. Take care. Take care. All right, everybody, there you go. Um, that is the end of the first hour. I'm going to take a quick break. When we come back opening up the lines to you it's thursday we've got nothing going on for the rest of the week because tomorrow is off so i want to see how did you like the interview tonight big name in radio very optimistic guy i'm sure there's a lot of people out there who weren't so optimistic and uh, and i i would just like to hear your thoughts and that would be that would be fun for me especially when it comes to the 48-hour news cycle and whether or not people would. I, I, don't, I don't agree that in 1999, the reaction to all the news that is being thrown our way from you know the, the outside of our world news, that was, it's being thrown our way right now and has been uh, previewed and has been massaged into the conversation since 2017. I don't think that it would be such a such a sleepy response. I don't think it would be the same. I think it would have been a lot more crazy. And like, what are you talking about? 
Now I think everybody's just a little bit more of, oh, whatever. Send the aliens. Just just send them, please. Make the ray guns the biggest ones they can find, actually. So your calls in just a few seconds, 914-200-0269. Can't wait to hear from you. We'll be right back. It's intermission time, folks. Time out to press the like button. Thank you. Welcome to Intermission. We'll, we'll be right back. Yeah, Intermission. Quite frankly. 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 Quite frank
Um, 914-200-0269. Tell me something. Tell me something. We spent an entire... You want to talk about the, the news cycle and how things have sped up, where I said before... I remember when it was about 48 hours news cycle. You can hang your hat on something. It'll still be there for a couple of days. You take a nap now and the whole world has left you behind. You want to know how bored we used to be? And I'm not saying bored as if life didn't have anything to... I mean, I'm just saying compared to overstimulation that we are experiencing right now. We once spent an entire summer talking about nothing but Joey Buttafuoco and Amy Fisher. Are you old enough to remember that? Joey Buttafuoco? Everybody was Joey Buttafuoco for Halloween? That is how delightfully boring things were in the 90s. I feel, in fact, I feel like every summer in the 1990s, we were given one big murder trial to watch, or, you know, yeah, we had, or some big trial. One summer it was for Bill Clinton and all of his antics. And then there was another summer that was all OJ. And then you had uh, Jean Benet Ramsey was in there somewhere. And then you had a, uh, you know, a, a mix. You, you mix in a couple of Summer Olympics. We had the Olympics. Life was easy. You got one big murder trial a summer. Every four years, you got yourself another Olympics to watch. And that was it. And now, don't take a long nap. Because you will be three months behind in news. And you know what? To hell with it. Good. Let's be. Let's get three months behind. Let's talk about something else. But we'll take those calls. 914-200-0269. All right. Let's see. A couple of super chats. The first one up is Teddy. What is going on, Teddy? Hey, no, it's actually Ray Finkel. It's Ray Finkel? Yeah, Ray Finkel from Hashtag Horseface. What's going on, Ray Finkel? Oh, man, I've been watching you since 2017, the week of that uh, daily solar eclipse, you know? It was a crazy week. I found you through Sean at SGT Report. Oh, wonderful. So, I'm so happy that you had George Norrie on, man. Didn't what? ask him a question about Art Bell, but that's cool. You know, I was gonna I, cool with that. I was gonna I was gonna get it in there too because we were gonna go to I wanted to ask him about the quickening that Art always always would bring up, and obviously, um, I, I mean, here here's how it was gonna go. Then I I didn't have any backup Art Art questions, and nothing else really came to mind. But when uh, when we were talking about globalism, the WEF, they're stating that they're gonna be masters of the world. Really, that was all that all could have brought me to a a place in the conversation where I could say was Is this where? Is this where uh, art would always say that we are that the quickening, how this ex this paradigm shifting acceleration of events in the world, uh, is this where it was all leading to? Uh, and, and of course, that is the, but what I was getting to, is it leading toward this combination of technological faith and geopolitical singularity? And, you know, I, 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 uh, Mr. Nori was pretty, pretty staunch in how he believes that we're we're not going to go that far and we're we're going to save the day and we're going to redeem ourselves so 
I guess uh, as far as the the end point of the scene of the where the quickening was heading, I didn't want that, that would seem like a little bit of a redundant question if I brought it up at that point. Yeah, I know what you mean, but I believe in humanity. And I have a quick joke for you, like last time. Go ahead, please. Kamala walks into the White House and says, Joe, four Brazilian doctors died on a plane crash today. And Joe says, oh, that's horrible. How many is in a Brazilian? <laughs> All right, man. I'll let you go. Have I'll, a great show. You know, I love you, dude. Uh, Teddy, have a good one. I got to say, Teddy, if you can call in more with those jokes where you, you get to the punchline in literally 12 seconds, uh, that would just, I love those. It's it's all about delivery, brother. Thank I'll you. talk to you later. Have a good one. Yeah. Have a good one. Yeah, there was more there. Um, there was more there. But uh, that was just trying to keep it, I don't know, had a good time. Thank you so much for the call, Teddy. Let's keep going. 914-200-0269. Who is this? Sand, what's going on, Sand? Hi, this is uh, this is J.S. Pop. Who? J.S. Pop. What's going on, J.S.? Hey, not too much. I just want to tell you what a great thing uh, having George and Ari tonight. Uh, you know, um, I thought it was awesome. I used to drive across country over the middle of the night for decades, going from gig to gig. And he was always the best show on the radio. <laughs> you know, it's one of those things where if you are, if you're already a fan of talk radio, or in this case now it has evolved into podcasts, which is really, it is a new form of talk radio. People want to hear conversations. They want to be roped into a really interesting um, breakdown of events or thoughts or dreams or whatever the hell it is. But you cannot deny what AM broadcasted or AM FM talk radio has meant to so many people, especially in third shift overnight. It, it really does become that companion. And as as uh, as uh, Mr. Nori said, it's not about sitting in front of a microphone and knowing that you are being syndicated out to, you know, however many millions of people still listen over, you know, the, the, the 640 stations that they have all over the world. But it's really just about a personal experience. That is a, a real special thing for somebody to settle in for a show that you like, especially on the radio where most of it is theater of the mind. And it's very cozy. And it's really it's what roped me in. Oh, yeah. I mean, the the best part about him was um, I used to go from city to city and I used to have to change the AM station to find the station he was on again to, to keep up with the shows. But he he would just he just gets on and he's himself no matter what the topic is. And uh, it's always interesting. And it was always really good to you know, keep you entertained and awake and thinking while you're driving hundreds of miles overnight. <laughs> I, you know, that's uh, very well said. Very, and especially since it comes from firsthand uh, experience. You, you know better than anybody else. And now the the now the the because of the way that you can download things and listen to things on your on your at your leisure at any time. You can 
recreate that feeling whenever you want. And it's always good to go back into archives of things too, because there are so many years of, of conversations that hold up that don't aren't dated because it's always talking about the, the mysteries, the mysteries of the unknown kind of stuff. When you're not, that's the one thing about politics and thank you for the call JS. Um, Politics dates you. You miss out on somebody's podcast from three days ago and all, you know, the a news and politics podcast. And it's just, what's the point? Like I said, we're on a six hour news cycle. And if you missed something from three days ago, sometimes it can be uh, like, all right, well, old news this might as well be three years at this point but when you really start getting into the human interest stories and a lot of things that are human interest are the unexplained experiences that we have in life that's um that's where the magic is and then you can go back to those these those episodes over the course of years and it still makes you feel ah what if or what else is out there all right let's take a couple of super chats uh, over on Rum, oh, no, hold, let's see here. Over on quitefrankly.tv, let's see, Dagny says, Frank, your show is the best independent media, levity, sanity, and all around great community of truth. Thank you so much, Dagny. Thank you so much. Uh, Matt wants everybody, Matt in 1776 wants everybody to know that the iPhone app is there for Foxhole. And all you got to do is send him a screenshot of the notifications that you get and you uh, on your, your push notifications that you get on your phone, and you get 100 gold pills. Matt also says he loves this topic and the guest. Nice choice, Frank. Hey, I'm happy that we were chosen. And I also want to give a very special shout-out to uh, one of our newest members of the team at Quite Frankly, uh, associate producer Krista Roman, because this was... She's been booking for me for, what, three weeks now? A little bit more than that. Just before June came around. And almost instantly, we had George Norrie booked. And that's just, that was just a, a great get. And um, thank you for, thank you for that, Krista. Really great job. Um, Let's see. Robert Sarns, thank you so much. Cynthia says, this shit would never fly in 1999. Keep that in mind when you call in. That question, would any of this, what would the reaction be? Perhaps people wouldn't, uh, wouldn't, um, wouldn't believe it. Perhaps people would say, oh my gosh, what are you talking about? This is world changing here. But would they be this right over the head I, I still feel like, you remember when uh, the Zells, when Frank Zell called in in the spring of 2020 and we were really getting into the lockdowns, you know, like the deeper parts of the lockdowns when people are starting to realize this was not just 15 days, it was not necessary, and it was, and it was, it was all because of behavioral modification and fear and trauma. We were in a state of shock. In that state, have you ever been around somebody in a state of shock? It, they almost feel like they're punch drunk. Well, I feel like we're the vast majority of people in some way, shape, or form are punch struck and uh, don't care because it's just just tired, tired of it. I think that would be the big difference there, especially in 99. Um, and thank you, Chai Possum says, love you, Frank. Thanks for bringing the best. Thank you, Possum. 
Thank you to Captain Flint. And um, and that is from the Gold Pills from now. We'll go to the Rumble Rants in just a second. Rumble Rants in just a second. First, some... Actually, hold that a second. It's gone by. Finally caught you live. Multitasking as I cook. Says Meggles on Rumble. Let's take a call from... Uh, El, what's going on, Elvia? Uh, yeah. Elvia? Did I say that right? Uh, yes, you did. Okay, well, welcome to the show. Uh, am I talking to Frank? Yes. Yes, you are. Oh, okay. Elvia, you, you have to do me a favor, though. You have to ignore and turn off the stream and just concentrate on my voice in the phone because there's going to be a delay and make sure I'm not on speakerphone and uh, and tell me okay. what you tell me what your thoughts are. All right, hold on, hold on. Uh, here we go. Is that good? Go right ahead with your point. I agree with everything you said. I've been watching you a long, long time, and I just want to say you're doing a really good job. Doing a really good job. Well, well, tell me a little bit about yourself. Where uh, do you have? Uh, Why? Yeah, yeah. What, what, what have you? What, what are? Uh, what are your thoughts about? What are your thoughts about? The whole 1999 reception of big, big earth-shattering revelations and questions about where we are and and uh, and whether or not we're alone in the universe and all that stuff. Do you think that reaction would be different uh, from now and 1999, or would it be about the same, like George Norrie said it would? Uh, There's no right answer. You can just you, you give me what your gut tells you. All right, I'll tell you what my gut tells me. Okay. My gut tells me we need to get rid of all these lefties that are pushing on this sexual crap on our children. Gotcha. <laughs> okay, well, there, there you go. I, I, I guess that, <laughs> I guess that is just as in maybe you know. Thank you for pulling me back to reality, Elvia. Because what you really have said is there's far more pressing issues than the UFOs, and we have to uh, we have to watch out for the complete unraveling of our of our culture and the and the morality that used to underpin it. So <laughs> thank you for that reminder, and I hope you call in again soon. Well, I'm just saying this, but everything that's going on. I get you. It's like, it's just distracting us from what's really happening. Absolutely. What's really happening is they they want to take over our kids. Well. That's what's happening. You're definitely focused on the right thing there. And thank you for calling in tonight. It was great to hear from you. Okay, Frank. All righty. Have a good one. There you go. There's Elvia. Great to have her on. NJSF on the Rumble Rants says Tom Woods sent to his mailing list uh, the Harvard alumni letter on the SCOTUS decision. His take is they'll just keep doing it, but find ways to hide it. That's exactly what I told, what I, what I thought too. You don't need to be a policy wonk or anything like that to try to figure out what's going to happen. Again, 
who are the the water carriers who are the torch bearers for this kind of outlook remember what colleges do remember what colleges stand for now what are they creating are they creating uh, a a large capable workforce of rugged individualist and tempered minds people who have just come out of a a uh, you know an a mental obstacle course four years of testing every controversial idea until you find some kind of a middle ground or an acceptable whatever have they bridged the what is college all about They're, they create activists by and large and even people who come out with their faculties intact they can tell you that this the 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 ideology is baked into the curriculum and you have to you know cut certain corners and you've got to do certain things to be able to get out there with your degree and then hopefully go onto the market and represent yourself and find something to do but if you think that these these institutions that by and large are there to perform a certain political function are going to stop they've already been trained they've already been trained you know, it's like it's like going to the beach and taking one of your sand, your, your the pails that you want to make a sand castle, and you you put a bunch of uh, you put a bunch of sand in there. You wet it out, so you, you put some wet sand in there. You're packing it out. You turn it over, and in the state that the sand is inside of the upturned bucket, right there. That was this. That was our college system as of yesterday. Now they say you cannot go and do a certain thing. Affirmative action, race-based uh, admissions is not constitutional. It's uh, antithetical to everything that we, we stand for. So they take the bucket away. What's left? It's sand. That ha- it's a system that has been put in, in place. Now, is it possible to crumble that sand castle down to the ground and start over from scratch and, and do something right? Yeah, but it's going to take a little while. It's going to take a little while. I don't know how you can, you, what the equivalent of stomping out the sandcastle is. You're talking about a college system that is just, I don't know, it's a wash with money. It's a wash with influence. So they're going to hide this. They're not going to stop being what they had been molded into being for the last however many generations. Now, the real question I asked before is, how is it going to be possible for people to take colleges to task? for not accepting them and accepting others because it would have to be public knowledge of what everybody in a classroom around a student or what everybody in a school had brought in as part of their school transcript from high school. And that is not public knowledge. That's all private information. So, you know, you, how are you going to do it now? It's just, it's just a learned learned behavior at this point it's going to be tough but nonetheless a objectively positive opinion all right let's see a little bit more on the rumble rants and then we're going to go and i just want to get caught up dagny says happy independence day frank and the franklies thank you it's popping up over here too thank you dag njsf again fyi the smoke from two weeks ago reached europe and while lighter it was still felt Canadian smoke reached Europe. I didn't know that. Cody117 says, can we get George to say 
West of the Rockies, not really. That would almost be blasphemy. Uh, Love, Art, and George. Awesome show tonight, Frank. Well, he did do an East of the Rockies for us as he signed off. Isn't that nice? Freight Awakening says, great interview, Frank. Stephen King, though, really? He obviously doesn't know the bat shit, how batshit crazy Stephen King is. Uh, you know, to each their own. And like I said, politics ruins everything. Because even though you can tell that he was always a lefty, um, had an ability to create characters that were different, diametrically opposed, and not sacrificial lambs. He was able to to create those characters in the past without having it bleed over. But I don't, I don't know. There's obviously so much resent resentful bias, hate spewing out of him lately. I can't take him seriously anymore. Um, there is something else too. I mean, you know, I, I there are other things that I didn't I didn't find a way to bring it up. And perhaps if we have him back again one day. I can ask him, like, for example, I know that he was a, he's a very big fan of people like Dan Rather and had a, an interview with him, and it was a uh, it's obviously a very special night for George Norrie, but for somebody who's so in, uh, invested in the story of the JFK assassination, how can you look at Dan Rather as anybody other than a, 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 an agent of Mockingbird? Uh, I mean, that's just... He was out there carrying water for the uh, the company from the get-go. So there's things like that that I take note of, and also people from the audience have have uh, I've had conversations with them about it. But again, you're never going to find um, 100%. You're not gonna, you're not going to be in unison with somebody 100%, and it's really just about is are you talking to a good person and. And I think that we had a conversation with a really good guy tonight, and I I'm, I enjoyed it. Let's see here. Uh, one more. Uh, guilty or Gully. Gully45 says, love you, Frank. You make me laugh like, uh, like few others, especially since humor seems to have disappeared. Much love and respect, Gully. I'm so great to have you. So great to have you out there enjoying yourself, Gully. Uh, Tropical Rocket says, happy fourth, everyone. See, it's great. It's a nice little meeting of the minds here. All right, so let's go. Let's go into a little bit more from the audience. 914-200-0269. 914-200-0269. Do take those. And also, that's the other thing tonight. Go into Gilded, and you jump into on-air calls in Gilded. And you will see there's a first-time caller line. There's an international line. And right now there's a time traveler line. Uh, just jump into any of them and you can be brought into the show. It is very it's good quality call calls that we were testing the other night. And I would love to have some more calls from Gilded because we can go and take them in and have one more source of that. Gonzalez, what is this? Who's this? Hello? Caller? Gonzalez? No? C. What's going on, C? Hey, Frank. It's Chris. Uh, and uh, I think you're you're right. With we this, this Supreme Court situation today, there's going to be a requirement that we flip FERPA. <laughs> so 
That we flip what? You know what FERPA is, Frank? That we flip what? Are you on speakerphone, Chris? FERPA. No, I'm on a, a earpiece. Uh, okay. Yeah, I'm trying change i'm sorry all right so so the so then say it one more time because it's a little bit muddled uh, we flip what is, is this better frank yeah a little bit better so what was your uh, an okay. initial comment so i was in the university system for a long time and i got out of it because of the ridiculous amount of racism uh, we've talked before about a couple things and uh the uh ferpa f-e-r-p-a ferpa federal okay. uh, i think it's a yeah, Federal Educational Rights Protection Act, mm -hmm. FERPA. Okay. And it's what uh, prevents you from looking at student records or sharing anything about a student if you're a teacher. So that's if you're a teacher, though. But it, it, what I'm what I'm saying, well, it, it's going to be. It's going to be even harder than that, Chris, because let's say you're somebody that really, you know, that you have the goods and you get rejected from a school. You you yeah. you first have you have a really really tough road ahead of you if you think that there's been something something uh, wrong going on there that you are at the the the, the shitty end of a stick and that is yes. that is a you have to find somebody that got in that you know for sure did miles worse than you. And you have to be able to prove it in some discernible way that proves the intent of nothing but race as a motivating factor. How do you find that information on somebody? You have to start just just randomly investigating students to make sure that everybody's there, and then you're you're going to be investigating. There, I, I mean, it's it's a mess. It really is a mess. Yes, yes. And the the school itself has for uh, rights and protections. So you can't go, I want a freedom of information uh, request of everybody's SAT scores, right? They can't link the data to the person. So you would have to find somebody who got in there and knows they shouldn't be there, and they would have to openly share their own data with you in order for you to file that case. So you're saying uh, you're saying that you, you let's say you as somebody I don't know how the SATs are now but let's say you are somebody who had a 1500 on an SAT and you have all these extracurricular activities you're in different clubs you're doing community service you are a real pillar in your community you should be a, you should be a shoe in in all all of your picks and you would have to first recruit somebody a friend of yours who is obviously of a different ethnic background of yours who is performing a little bit less or maybe way less than you are or something within within reason where you know that there would be no it would be a no-brainer as who should be getting in over the other and they would have to actually go along with it to set up some sort of a sting you're saying correct and they would have to share their data with you the school can't share their data the school can't share your data and so the school has this completely obscured uh, back room effectively built by this FERPA to do all kinds of terrible things involving gaslighting young people. Oh. And it's, it's absolutely horrendous. Uh, I, again, I left, I left the university system. I was at an R1, and I left to go work on the railroad because I couldn't handle the dishonesty. It was, it was too gross and messed up. And they, they were doing massive stuff involving race, and it was obvious, and everybody knew it, but because FERPA protects them in their illegalities, and it will continue to do so, 
this case is kind of just a, a figurehead saying, oh, well, we don't think this should happen anymore. But all of the protections for it happening are still in place as long as FERPA's in place. Yeah. No, see, I didn't know all the the details behind this. You're bringing something that adds a little bit more context to the situation. And whereas I didn't know all that, I just, I I just, it was obvious to me that nothing was actually going to change. But it is, uh, (laughs) it's an opportunity. It's still an opportunity that's going to be taken by people to wail and gnash and and. and just really uh, scream about injustice when they know they're still in complete control. But this will be a, a nice way to talk about inequality and equity and all that stuff going into uh, Independence Day weekend. Maybe. And if, if they do start putting pressure on the Department of Education, they'll find out that a lot of the standards and practices at the universities and schools are set up so, for groomers to deal with these young people. Mm. And they may actually put some pushback on FERPA because FERPA is way overpowered and it's really messed up. And with the attention that the groomers are bringing to themselves now, um, you're going to have people becoming aware and saying, hey, no, I want to know what's going on. And they're going to go, well, FERPA says we can't do that. And there will be pushback. But uh, the kind of shield for all of this is a thing called FERPA. And if people start looking into that, it's, it's going to bring attention to it, and and as you know, sunlight is the best disinfectant, right, Frank? Yes. Well, I I really appreciate it, Chris, and uh, and thank you for uh, sharing your experience. Yeah, thank you, and uh, keep up the great work. All Thanks, right, Frank. have a good one. Take it easy. Um, let's see here. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back. We're going to take some more of your calls and the super chats that are still coming in. Remember, ladies and gentlemen, uh, aside from just interacting with the show. Everybody who sends in a super chat on quite frankly superchat.com is automatically entered into the raffle. The raffling off of my copy with all of my notes, all of my scribblings, and I will scribble something de- uh, personal in there for you, whoever wins. This is going to be given away on July 3rd, on Monday. Shoeless Joe. And that is when I will also make the book club sessions that I did with Charlie Robinson for this book public. So you'll be able to read it, you'll be able to read along, and it'll be as if you were right there. So, so beautiful. All right, we will be right back. Don't go anywhere. Had a friend, you looking for a message board? Go to quitefrankly.tv and enter the forum. Engage with official show topic threads or start your own thread. Get signed up. It's that easy. And it's not Reddit, so don't sweat it. For the forum and then so much more, it's quitefrankly.tv. Their whole purpose throughout history has been to teach a small number of people how to become adept at controlling everyone else. Their goal is to destroy all existing religions, save theirs, all existing governments, save theirs, and shackle the mob in a system of eternal oppressive debt chained to a computer for the rest of their life in a propagandized world to make them believe that they are happy in this system. Now do you think they're succeeding? Haven't I described to you just now exactly what is going on in the world today? Yes, they're succeeding. 
They're succeeding because the American people don't understand their enemy. They don't even know what's happening. There's a method to their madness. There's really not much method to yours because you're operating from a place of ignorance. And until you change that, you're going to be bumbling around, bumping into each other, saying and doing the wrong things, not understanding the nature of your en enemy. And if you don't understand the nature of your enemy and the weapons they use, you cannot fight that enemy. You can't fight the battle. You shouldn't even be on the battlefield. That's why you're losing the war. And don't tell me you're not, because I'm in a place of great knowledge about who's winning and who's losing this war. And I can assure you, you're losing the war. This country was founded by dangerous men. Amen. And those expressed in the establishment controlled media, there's going to be a civil war in this country and it's going to come soon. The only thing that can stop it is by waking up vast amounts of sleeping people. Sheeple is what they are. They are following the Judas goat right into the shearing pens and from there they will go to the slaughter and they will not know that anything is wrong until they smell the blood of the sheeple in front of them. get to some uh, let's get to some more chats from people on quite frankly superchat.com Phil's WW believe that's Shannon said evening Frank entering the raffle didn't get to participate in book club due to work want your copy so badly to see your perspective of what uh, what sounds like or what sounds like a so great story it is it's a tremendous story Looking forward to reading it. Love to you, the fam, and all the Franklies. Well, I hope you win it, along with everybody else. I hope everybody wins it, which is really the truth. Whenever I do a raffle, I'm always so um, I'm always so excited for everybody, knowing that only one of you is going to win, and it seems seems really sad. Robert G says, I'm too nervous to call. However, I feel like the stars align tonight. I grew up listening to Coast to Coast with my grandfather, and I've always felt the same comfort and vibe with your show. So happy you had George on tonight. Happy 4th, Frank. Yeah. I'm happy that you felt that way. Little pieces of magic, little, just little sparks of magic. It's good stuff. And let's see, Stostoop says, great Thursday, Frank, wonderful guest, as is the usual and expected with, quite frankly, always keeping us entertained and informed, brother. Rhonda K says, hi, Frank, I am a current monthly subscriber. I was introduced to your show while listening to Tori two years ago. I've enjoyed each and every show you offer the Franklies. Thank you for the hard work you put into each show. I love the intro, by the way. You know the first intro? And shout out to Tori. Um, the the first intro for this show that was created, I, I sent it to Anthony. 
I said, Ant, I need an intro. Here, I want to use Shinedown's um, Son of Sam. And uh, here are the images I want. And, and he, I wish I could, I got to go back and find it. It's probably so basic. But it was great back then, and it's evolved over the years. It's been built on, built on. I remember my when we first made the disclaimer, that was my buddy Mike May. Got in touch with Mike May, and um, I said, hey, man, we need a dis I want a disclaimer, because I used to do the disclaimer myself. I said, I want a disclaimer right there so I can not have to say that every night. And that's when we found the, the Middlesex... The Middlesex... Uh, uh, fife and drum. Where the hell is it? Middlesex Fife and Drum Corps. Let's see. This has got to be. Here it is. Is this it? Check this out. This is going to be familiar to you. It's so badass. Snare drumming. There's nothing like it. I think this is it. Listen. Thunderous. I, I love the snare work. Not nah, that's nasty. That's nasty. Even the uniforms, nasty. And uh, I just love the precision. There's nothing like the precision of a good drum corps. And um, yes, yes. So I'm glad you like the intro. That is something that has evolved over the years as well. That's from Rhonda. Thank you, Jay Brits. That was a super chat sent in the overnight. So got that overnight. And that was um, I'm very happy with that. Nine one four two hundred O two six nine. Nine one four two hundred O two six nine. Oh wait, take a look at this. Hey Zoso, are you there? Zoso? I just heard something. I am here. Can you hear me, Frank? Ladies and gentlemen, this is history right now. Zoso Dude is the first caller from Gilded. Now that we have set up our, our uh, call-in lines, this is where all of our specialty lines are, it's great to have you on making history with us here tonight. I'm pleased to be the guy that break it loose. I, uh, I had to reacquaint myself. I mean, it's very similar to the Discord. But, oh, yes. Uh, just a little different, and I, I, rem I had to remember, you know, one second you're just sitting there listening, and the next thing you know, you're whisked in, and there you are. How are you doing, my brother? I'm doing well. It's great to have you. So what's on what's on your mind? I'm very excited about your cross-country trip in uh, this summer. You're going to be in studio in a, about a month or so, right? That's uh, what I wanted to talk to you about. Yes, I plan on uh, doing exactly what I did last time, you know uploading daily little segments to my YouTube channel so people can 
you know, see where I'm at, follow me along. Over on uh, Pilled Foxhole, there's going to be an actual a Zoso tracker, so people can actually... Any time of day, check and see just where the hell I am. It's going to be like uh, tracking. I'm I'm looking forward to making it. Sorry, sorry. There's a little bit of overlap. I was going to interject. It's going to be like tracking Santa's sleigh. It's kind of crazy like that. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I've got a couple of dear friends who are really adept at that kind of thing. Um, I just want to do, you know, perhaps encourage people to check out brother Zoe and maybe give him a follow over there they'll be able to keep up with my adventures as i work my way i'm going to be meeting up with a ton of the franklies so if you want to reach out to your brother Zoe and say hey i'll take a selfie with you i want to meet as many franklies as possible on your way on your way over here to the 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 studio so that'll be nice and i hope that uh, hope everybody checks you out there man thank you for the call Glad to do it. Glad to be the first guy in. Oh, hey, I'm, I'm, I see legs wet. I'll see you in a few weeks, Brent. Thank you, brother. Yeah, some, somebody had to break the seal. I'm glad he did. So there you go, everybody. You see, the sound quality is great. Um, get on over to the Gilded. Let the good times roll. What's going on, King? Hey, what's happening? Hey, it's good to have you. Well, it's good to be had. Thank you. Um, I hate uh, a lot of people probably going to be disappointed in me over here. The caller there, LV, uh, everybody thinks I would shit on her, but um, I don't know if people remember a while back on your show, I told broads when they call in, just be sexy, and LV, you was se- uh, she was sexy. Okay. All right, so LV would have got through with me, course grading, regardless. Whether you motherfuckers like it or not, I got no problem with LV. LV was that right? All right, so you're, you're so you're 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 all right. So there there you go, LV. You uh, have uh, passed the test with King. Hey, what are you doing uh, for? Well, you know, not not for nothing, and not to be too lewd, but uh, got a little bit of a chub listening to LV. But go ahead, Frankie. All right. Well, how is your your uh, July Fourth plans going? Work. That's it. Work. What, what about what about the, the the family? You getting together with them at night? Uh, I don't know because my family works as well. We're workers. But what, what about talking about? But what about what about your your granddaughter? Doesn't she want to see some fireworks? Yeah, but she does that with her mother. Okay. What I'm talking about. All right. All right. We got we all got we got we all got work schedules. You know, it, it, it all. Works around. It's a, what do you call a, a thing there? But, uh, yeah, you know, when we find time. Good. Well, you know good. what I'm talking about? Absolutely, I do. Absolutely, I do. Um, so, but, go ahead. Uh, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 no. What, what was the other thing on your mind? Well, um, I got to take a little bit of umbrage with you. Okay, go you ahead. You know, no, 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 no big deal. When you said Sammy was the best voice out of the Rat Pack. And I'm thinking, hold on now, hear me out. I'm thinking, really? This guy? 
How can make the sunrise sprinkle it with dew? I, I think he can that do was more. The best voice, no. Over Sinatra, man. No, that's I, like sacrilege. I think, I think that as far as range goes, like the range. I, I would I would take Dino's voice over Sammy though, just because there was a certain quality to it. Even though if he he couldn't hit the range that that uh, that Sammy had, I, there's still there's more than enough reason why you would take somebody over him. I think. Uh, th- you really think Sammy had range? I think he was kind of a one note guy. I don't know. I don't. I wouldn't say that. We maybe we can. I mean, to it's it. all you know. It's all opinion. It's all subjective. You know, people's ears, people's tastes. I get it. You know, if that's your taste, I get it. It's just an but opinion. To me, it would, you know what I mean. It's yeah. It's just an opinion. Because uh, because obviously, uh, you, you can. I think he had the worst voice out of the Rat Pack. To tell you the guy's honest truth. Okay. Well, you know what we should do. We should fig- we should figure out a way to examine it all one night. Like the next time you come and you do a, a road trip, we got we, we wouldn't be able to do it on YouTube that night because we'd be pining through some uh, some music that'll probably get the the whole stream taken down. But we, we got to figure out a way of, of of analyzing this and and just doing a once and for all. We can even take we can even take votes from the audience too. Who's got the best? Well, I, I well I'll tell you like this, Frankie. It's very simple. I can't do Sinatra. I can't do Dean. But I just did Sammy. The Candyman can. The Candyman can. You sound just like him. Anybody can do that. I just did it. (laughs) You sound just like him. You're right. You know what I mean? Yeah. If I can do you, you're, you're not that good. You're right. That's all I'm saying. You know what I mean? You think, uh, all right, let me try to do Dino. Uh, Give me a Dino song to do. Uh, Do uh, Return to Me. All right. um, Return to Me. You know what I mean? I know. You you Uh, can't. The Summer Wind. The Sinatra. Yeah. I couldn't do that. You can't. But, but fucking but, Sammy? But Sammy, you can uh, do it. Candy man can. Carbon copy. Carbon copy, that one. I mean, I'm, but again, music is all personal taste and subjective. You know, I'm talking about, so I can't really, you know, if that's your preference, well, then that's your preference. I just beg to differ. Uh, okay. Hey, I'm willing. It, it, you know, is it, what I'm saying. I, to me, he had the worst voice. To me, it was just like this guy is not really like a singer. But then that could be said about anybody. You know what I mean? Yeah. A lot of people say that about the chairman. Oh, he was no singer. He was just talking. A lot of people say that about guys like oh. James Brown. Oh, he was no singer, but I thought he had a great voice. So I guess you know it's all up to your uh, what do you call? Um, oh, here here's an example. Personal preferences there. Here's you know what an I'm e- talking about. Yeah, here's an example. Uh, I cannot stand Barbara Streisand. I cannot stand her voice, and and 
it, it is obje- I honestly don't know what she sounds like. It's, I know who she is, but I've never heard her music. But it's an ob- objectively, objectively a very strong voice, and I can't stand, I can't stand it. I just can't do it. You, so I you so, want to know who? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, 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 no. It, 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 so there's just an example of. It, Everything is just subjective. Maybe there's just certain uh, switches that are flipped for one person or another, and and, and you never know. And and, and you know, I, I guess yeah. also also tastes change over time too. I can't listen to some things I used to listen to back in the day. So uh, you know, agreed. Me. Same. Agreed. Same. Mm. You know who I think two no three of the best female voices of all time, singing wise, and I'm gonna go. From best, I mean from worst to best. When I say top three, I don't even mean worst. I mean three is like climbing up the ladder. Right. So number three best of all time to me would be Connie Francis. Mm-hmm. That's good. Okay. And then number two would be Patsy Klein. Okay. And then the number one female singer to me. Of all time, I want to see if you can guess. I think I think you may know. I'll give you a little hint. Late 60s, early to mid 70s. I don't know. Eartha Kitt. And she was a drummer as well. Oh, oh, Karen Carpenter. Absolutely. The voice of an angel. I. There is no woman in the history of the world that ever sang better than that wood right there. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, angel. I don't. I thought you were going to say Earth a Kit or something like that. But once you brought up the, I, I, I doesn't even matter. I, I, I would never have guessed unless you told me the drumming. I would have never guessed Karen Carpenter. Hey, don't you love her voice? She's beautiful. Beautiful voice. In fact, I just got an email not too long ago from somebody who who really uh, went in on how awesome she was, a badass, and and I gotta I gotta hand it to you. Yeah, that's uh, so it's still all fresh in my mind. But yeah, I didn't I didn't think that you were going there. Yeah, and um, regarding your guest, um, surprisingly, at my age, I've never heard of him. A very interesting guy. You know, I I like old school motherfuckers like myself. I would think I would have heard of them, but I didn't. And um, uh, decent guy and a lot of good insight. Um, But if I could just say, and I'm not saying better or worse, because like I said, I have never listened to your guest show because I've never heard of him. And that's not a knock on him because I'm a nobody. Who am I? But, um... Bob Grant, one of my favorite old school radio guys and a New York guy and one of our guys. You remember Bob Grant? No, or I don't. Or are you too young? I'm too young. I ha- I must be. Or or I just wasn't paying attention. But thank you for leaving uh, us with that, uh, that King. It was, this this, this uh, conversation went all over the place, and I loved it. Thank you. Yes, sir. All right, brother. And uh, happy Independence Day. Happy Fourth of July. God bless America. God bless America. There he is, and there he goes. All right, it's 852. 852. 
Karen Carpenter. You know, it's not it's a it's not a bad pick. I just didn't expect King to say so. I thought he was going to say something like Donna Summer or something like that, or I I don't know. Um, but that's a really interesting top three. As long as Barbara Streisand's not in there, then we're okay. So I can't, I can't, I can't stand it. Um, now here is our badass for tonight, ladies and gentlemen, as we kick off into a little bit of a longer weekend and I will I promise you at some point I'll drop in on you on YouTube or something like that just a back porch stream it's uh it'll be nice and then we have a great show on Monday whether we do our concert stories on Monday or if we do our memories from the carnivals and memories from the the county fairs and the carnivals that might be Wednesday wedged on either side of the holiday. So we've got some great stuff going on, and obviously we're always going to be flexible for breaking news. I wish you all well. And uh, and here is our... Oh, wait. Let me make sure that I got all of the Super Chats in for tonight. Thank you, Pam D. Thank you, Paul. He says, Frank, great show. Congratulations on big name guest. Thank you. It was great to have him on. It really was. Delona, thank you. And on Rumble, I think we got a rant in. 925YLG says, you don't ask. You don't ask, you don't get. What does that mean? I mean, I know what it means. But in relation to the show, I know you got to ask more for what you want. And that's why I, I, I work myself up to say, hey, become a sponsor. I'd love to expand the operation and bring people on and invest more in things and and just do bigger and better things. Got so many things on my objectives and ideas, future projects, but uh, you gotta prioritize when you're in a situation like, like we are. And it's a wonderful situation because this audience is fantastic and it grows uh, regardless of the kind of obstacles and the the flaming hoops that we have to jump through to make it on the internet but um become a sponsor over the course of the weekend and you will join us on sunday for the sunday stream i think we'll do some pull-ups together we'll talk about what we're going to eat that night we'll do some pull-ups maybe we'll light some fireworks off and there you go thank you to jezeru says thank you for all you do thank you jezeru js pops is great show frank and crew i listen every night for the great show always wonderful to read and um and that's what we have who is our our last badass of the month of june and when we come back on monday that also means that the intermission changes and guess who arrives that's right it's christmas in july And we have a Santa-like figure, jovial, with a bowl full of jelly, bouncing around on the pool deck. You may hate it, but as the years go on, I think it's a welcome sight. Because it means it's July. It means that we made it again. So uh, let's get on to our final badass, 2023. That's some badass shit. It's pretty badass. It's this man right here. It is Jim Caviezel. I said, you know, what am I thinking? I I have quite a few leftovers. 
that we didn't get around to some great people men and women and uh but we that means that we just have a good foothold for where we're starting in 2024 but this guy uh we spoke about him last night i want to play this for you just to show you how much of a badass he is and how driven he is what he's putting out there this is a minute and three a minute and 30 seconds talking about the way the world is how dark it gets and why uh, the, the and the inspiration that was gleaned from this movie that is coming out on July 4th the sound of freedom listen to this I did the passion of the Christ and we had when the movie was over two people that had committed murder came forward and um, turned themselves in that was how powerful that f- film is this one has the reverse you watch it you feel God's love and the power in this movie Sound of Freedom and it makes you unafraid um, I was willing to come forward and speak truthfully on things like adrenochrome organ harvesting and was severely reprimanded by much of the media and they claimed their fact checkers uh, knew more but they don't know like you guys know I put you up against them anytime and so but I was a burden that I was no longer burdened with anymore my career I would never put in front of the children and I just ask you to look in your heart to go to the film Sound of Freedom which is a phenomenal movie which represents you and let that be your word against what these liars have done for a long long time your word which is from God and to speak the truth to the American people my prayers are with you I love you guys thank you for all the help that you gave me and I there is nothing about this man that's disingenuous there's nothing that I I've I, this is a this is a guy that you can see is touched and driven. And when I was watching that movie, um, there's a lot in there. As Mel Kay said, there's just there's there's so much. Um, the children, the the child actors are are just incredible. When he says that the fear is driven from you, it's true. It's true. Uh, I mean, I when you watch this, you are you are ready you are ready to go into the jungle especially if it's your child that you're looking for um uh, it's incredible the modeling agency aspect of this the use of islands sex hotels things like that but the the sting operations it, it is a the burning need to find a child it's almost when I when I listen to this when I watch this film the first thing I thought about or at least one of the things I thought about were the the dogs the rescue dogs from 9/11 which I I believe I don't know if we did it we may not have and I got to write this down uh we I got to write this down for next year because we always have some non-human badasses and the rescue dogs from 9/11 are are an incredible story incredible and you know that they became so depressed the dogs for finding 
no people that were alive, in many cases, finding so few people who were alive under the rubble in lower Manhattan that they had to stage, they had to stage rescues to bring up the dog's spirits because they were, they were sniffing out people. They were frantically looking for anybody that, 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 that needed help and they would have to have firemen and they would have to have other rescue operators there, you know, lay down inside of the rumble, uh, rubble just to be found by the dogs to make everything worthy of the ongoing fight. And in a large way, that is one of the underlying reasons why this character, portrayed by Jim Caviezel, uh, needs to go outside of the bounds of, of what DHS is willing to do, needs to go find certain kids, needs to find a child, not just bust a pedophile, put another person behind bars, needs to be able to rescue a child. And, and, and that is, it's just something... Jim Caviezel says there's one line in the movie and it's another reason why it's just amazing because of course the casting you have a strong male character in there a stoic male character who has a large family there is and is uncompromising and he said in one part as far as motivation goes why are you doing this what's the motivating factor and he just simply says, God's children are not for sale. Perfect. It's just, it's a perfect, it, it'll, it'll leave you, it'll leave a mark on you. And like I said to Jason Burmis last night, it's beyond activism. Everybody uses film and documentaries to further ideological causes or political causes. It's, it's just more than that. There's something there, and what drives the spirit of this movie drives Jim Caviezel. Just from what I've been able to, to observe, and um, and that is a uh, a shining light in a really dark industry, and I think that uh, his example could really be a, a foothold for building a new, but totally different Hollywood, if you want to call it a movie industry. So uh, thank you, everybody, for this tonight. Thank you again, George Norrie, for making, quite frankly, history over here. And I cannot wait to settle around the fireplace with you on Monday. All right? Have a great weekend, and perhaps our paths will cross at some point. Good night, and take care. I'll catch you on the flip side. White Frankly is filmed before a live studio audience, and now our super chatters, starting with Jezeru, JS Pop, Dagny T, Phil's WW, Robert G, Stostube, Rhonda K, and Jay Brits. Thank you to all my friends over on the Rumble Rants. You guys have been fantastic. And also to all my wonderful friends on quitefrankly.tv. I'm releasing the scratching right now, and we are about to cast off. Cast off into the weekend. And we have a weekend roundup starting up right now. Get on quitefrankly.tv and stay there all weekend. And you see, you'll see the majesty of chilling with good people. All right, that's it. Become a sponsor. Love to you all.
Oh, I'm sorry. It's Throwback Thursday. I keep forgetting it's Thursday. Get primed for the holiday weekend featuring the 1972 musical 1776 and then a whole bunch of other stuff. Goodbye. I see cat. You're a kitty cat? It's Han. Hello. I'm a kitty cat as well. <laughs>